Father God, we thank you for the covenant that you cut in your own blood. May we be willing, Father, to hold up our side of that covenant to serve you and you alone. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning. I have just a couple of quick announcements. Our men will come around and uh, allow you to continue your worship through the giving of your tithes and offerings. Um, Been telling you for the last couple of weeks that the ladies' Bible study, the men's Bible study is going to get started. And this is the last day I want to tell you it's going to get started because it is getting started next week. Uh, The ladies and the men will be meeting on Mondays and Tuesdays. Men, uh, I think I got a hold of everybody who had signed up. There's a new list that's out there that's kind of broken down as to Monday and Tuesday, what day that you can show up. And if you have not shown up, please go ahead and sign up. Um, I was really encouraged last week when I went and I looked at and I saw we had 18 men. Let's count me. 19 men sign up. That's a marvelous thing. Not only were you signing up, but you encouraged some of the other women to sign up as well. So we're going to have a couple of great studies going on starting not tomorrow, but next Monday. So please take the opportunity to sign up if you haven't. And men, if you have not gotten your book yet for the study that we're doing on Lynn Anderson's They Smell Like Sheep, see Scott today because you have reading to do before next Monday. We're going to go over that very first section that first week. So please be certain to do that. Let's see. Where are we? Uh, Moving the hand of God. Chapter 3. Let's see. So far, God said, go. And Jonah said, no. Yes? And God said, whoa. And Jonah said, Okay. And he's back on dry land. And he is going to make good on what he promised. We read there at the very end of chapter 2. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And with that, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry ground. Then, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, I want you to note the message it didn't change. In fact, where you see there where it says the message I give you, literally it says the message I am speaking to you, that I have been speaking to you. It's, um, it's a participle. It's one of those ing words. It indicates an active action. 
that's going on. In other words, it's the original message. Now, Jonah changed. Not his attitude, but his willingness to obey. His willingness to be in covenant with God. But I want you to realize, God did not pat Jonah on the back. He didn't say, there, 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 I I understand how you feel, but I really need you to do this. He didn't do any of that. What he did do is he gave Jonah the opportunity to make good on his covenant commitment. Father God, we thank you today for the life of Jonah and Father, even for the life of the Ninevites as we will learn today, there is much we can learn positive from them. And Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity today to make good on our covenant commitment with you through the blood of the Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, Nineveh was an important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started out into the city. He proclaimed, 40 days and then none of us going to be overturned. Not a very positive message, is it? Not really. It's kind of like all judgment. Is there any grace in that statement? What's it say? It doesn't say turn and burn. He just says, you're going to burn. Not a very graceful message, is it? And yet, that's really what God is after. He's after the opportunity to be merciful to the people of Nineveh. Is he not? And Jonah, just think about where Jonah has been. Think about where Jonah is. Why did Jonah wind back up on dry ground instead of forever in a watery grave? Why? Because of God's grace. Yes? So here we have a prayerless prophet who is living by grace. A prophet living by God's grace who delivers a graceless message. Now what? Is with that. Shouldn't someone who has been shown mercy be willing to extend mercy themselves? There was a king, and one of his um, subjects, one of his servants, owed him millions of dollars. An untold sum that this guy could never repay in multiple lifetimes. So the king, as he was looking at his books, came across this and decided that it was time to cut his losses. So he said, 
This man and his family should be sold into slavery until the debt can be paid. And the man goes and stands before the king and pleads for mercy. And he says, please, please give me time. I will get it all and I'll pay you back. Of course, the king's laughing, but he decides to forgive the debt. And the man, as he's walking out of the palace, sees one of his fellow servants who happens to owe him a couple of thousand dollars. And he goes and he grabs the guy by the neck and he says, pay me what you owe me. And the guy says, please, please, I don't have it right now, but if you give me the chance, I'll pay you back everything. And he takes that second servant and he has him thrown into debtor's prison. Some of the other servants who saw what was going on in their distress went and and told the king what that first servant did. And when the king found out, do you think he was happy? What do you think he did? How would you have reacted? Well, he took that first man and threw him into prison to be tortured until he could pay. And Jesus says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So what is it that Jesus says will happen to those who have known and have felt and have experienced the grace of God but refuse to extend it to someone else? What's he say? If nothing else, that's a pretty clear picture of hell, is it not? In one sense, the people of Nineveh did not need to respond to Jonah. They were the world power. They were arrogant. They were violent they were wicked. And Jonah, Jonah's this, Jonah's this, this little guy from a small little country off on the edge of their empire. They could have chewed him up and spit him out. But they didn't. Do you know what happened? A miracle occurred. And this Arrogant, violent, vile people listened to that graceless message. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. A very appropriate way to to mourn, to grieve, to show the, the anxiousness of the moment in that day and time and in that culture. 
And then he issued a proclamation to Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. What did he call for? A fast, yeah. Let, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, just like him, right? Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn his from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Do you see what happened here just in those little bit that we just read? The people are already responding to the message that Jonah delivered, to God's message. And when the king hears it, he responds, and then he actually makes a royal decree that's not needed. Because they're already mourning and calling out to God. He just told the people to go ahead and do what they were already doing, to fast and to, to wear rags, which is really kind of, kind of humorous when you stop to think about it. The people are already doing, and now the king's playing catch-up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I must hurry up and catch up with them, for I am their leader. I feel that way sometimes. But you notice he not only extends the fast among his whole empire, but also to the animals as well. Have you ever seen a cow fasting? Have you ever heard a hungry cow or teenager? It's pretty much the same thing. The bellowing and the moaning. Can you imagine the racket that's coming out from around Nineveh in those days with the cows and the sheep and the horses? They would have all have been complaining so loud you couldn't hear yourself think. And the people in the street, they would be crying out to God. And there would be such a clamor. And even the babies would be crying out for their mother's milk because they're fasting as well. And you get this picture where Nineveh goes from this powerful, arrogant, wicked city to this mass mourning. Now, how long was this fast? I got three words for you. Do you know what they are? I don't know. Because there are some things scripture doesn't tell us. I don't know. Now, if this was a total fast, it could have gone four, seven, ten days. But if it's a partial fast, if at, if at least they were drinking water, they could go probably that whole 40-day period. Kind of hard for us to go 40 days without at least water. Okay? But did you notice verse 9? Where the king says, who knows, God may relent with compassion and turn from his anger. Hmm. 
That wasn't in the message. The message was what? You're going to be overturned. We're going to get back to that word before the day is over. Okay? They were just doing everything they could because it might work. You ever been in that spot? Where life has gone crazy and things are overturned and you don't know which way is up and you call out to God. Maybe, maybe he'll change it. You see, true repentance, true repentance doesn't demand a response from God. True repentance is where we know where we are and we know we don't want to be there and we're willing to take whatever morsels will fall from our king's table. Just hoping he'll be compassionate. You see, the king of Nineveh understood that they did not deserve forgiveness because, honestly, friends, family... None of us deserve forgiveness. When we are guilty of offending God, we are not in a position to bargain with him. Repentance is not a way of of twisting his arm. I say these words and God's got to do. That's not repentance because you and I are not in the driver's seat. We're not the one in control of that process. Repentance is not a way of twisting his arm so that he has to, he must forgiveness, forgive us. Because regardless of what you may have heard, there's no formula statement that forces God's hand. God is no more a puppet to be manipulated as we are. So why does he forgive? Because he chooses to. It is grace. It is unmerited favor. It is unearned. It is because of his character, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Why do we worship him? Not because of what we are, but because of who he is. He chooses when the condition is right. And what is that condition? Well, we see it right here with Nineveh. Nineveh shows true contrition, a true humbling before the Almighty. Because, friends, it's, it's the humble heart that moves the hand of God. You see, true repentance requires humble submission. In Nineveh's repentance, that's nothing short of a miracle. No doubt you have seen people, you probably know somebody you can think of that you've looked at, that you've watched, maybe you've even tried to reach out to them, and you've come to the conclusion, you've had the thought in your mind, it'll take a miracle to get through to that person. And it does. That miracle may take the form of 
the death of a loved one or a heart attack or hitting rock bottom or the mirror of someone seeing past their crusty exterior with the compassion of Christ and reaching out and just loving them into the arms of Jesus. If God can use a spokesman, a spokesman the likes of Jonah, just think of what he can do with a willing servant. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. And God what? God looks on the outside and sees all of the jumping around and everything like that. Does God look at that? No. Where does he look at? He looks where? Within. So what's the implication? There was a true change in their nature. He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he threatened. Very easy, right? When Nineveh repented from the heart, God extended mercy to that city, to that people. Why? Because repentance moves the hand of God. That somebody we were just talking about might be in your family. Might be somebody in your family who has done some things that they can't forgive themselves for. And because they can't forgive themselves, they don't think God can forgive them. That's sad. Because sometimes we have to get ourselves out of the way and allow God to be God and to just call on him like Nineveh and say, I know I don't deserve it. But forgive me. That is a moment that God honors. One of the wonderful aspects of this story is that the whole thing is motivated by God's sense of mercy. We believe that God never changes, that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he loves the things, the people, the souls that he created. Those souls that he placed in human bodies. Those souls that his spirit breathed life into. Because God loves every soul he has ever created. 
There is not a single soul that God has ever created or ever will create that he does not love. And friend, he loves you intensely. And it breaks his heart to think that you are going to live here and that you are going to die and you are going to leave this realm never seeing or understanding that your father, your creator loves you. Friend, God gave you the freedom to choose to live this life with him or without him. And he will honor that choice in the next life, that life after death. And he loves you so much that he is not willing to let you walk away without knowing that you have a loving father who wants you to come home to him. He even came in the flesh as Jesus of Nazareth. And he died on a cross to be your perfect sacrifice to cover the imperfections and the imperfectness of your life. And Christ rose from the dead, from the grave, So that you can trust that your father exists and he wants a relationship with you. And all the way back in the Old Testament, God was showing Israel that he cares for all mankind. And he has never changed that love for all mankind. Friend, heaven is real, and hell is real. And you cannot escape the reality of hell without accepting the Savior who can take you to heaven. Jesus is calling for you to come home. Why don't you respond to that call today? Father God, we thank you that your plan for mankind has always been consistent, has always been there. Your love for us has never changed. We thank you, Father, that Even when before this world, as you were working out what you would do with your creation, that you thought about each and every one of the souls you would create and how you wanted us to experience your kind of a love, a selfless love, and that you gave each one of us the ability to choose to love you or to reject you. And yet, Father, you show all the way through your scriptures how much you are willing to do to get us to love you 
not out of force, but out of our willingness and desire to choose you. We thank you, Father, for the repentance that Nineveh showed at this day and this point in time in history. And how at that day, at that point in time in history, you were willing to accept their repentance. We pray, Father, that you will find ours acceptable as well. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. One last thought about Jonah 3, 4. That, that statement that, that Jonah said, 40 days in Nineveh will be, and the word is overturned. It's actually, it's actually a good translation. It actually means exactly that. It means to be turned over. Now, if you think about it, when we think about this story, we usually think about that in the, the negative sense, don't we? That God's judgment's going to come. But over in Samuel, 1 Samuel 10, 6, that same word is used actually of King Saul. We're not going to read that. You go read that on your own. You got an assignment. You don't even have to go to work tomorrow. It's Labor Day. So you got plenty of time, right? Um. Bless you if you have to go to work tomorrow. But The word means to be transformed. It means to be changed into something that's opposite of what it was to begin with. And in 1 Samuel 10, 6, it's used in the positive sense. It's the exact same word. It means to be renewed or to be made new. So in a sense, Nineveh was turned over because they were made new because of their willingness to respond to the call of God. If you need to be made new, respond to the offer that God has made through Christ and do it today as we sing, come. Would you please stand?